morning, you're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is subject ACT. For the next half an hour, I delve into local current affairs from an independent community standpoint. It's Monday the 25th of July. I'm Becca Posterino. Today, we confront the issue of greyhound racing in the ACT. In light of the recent Special Commission of Inquiry into Greyhound Racing Industry New South Wales and New South Wales Government's decision led by Mike Beard to make greyhound racing illegal, the ACT Government have responded similarly. Small by comparison, those invested in the ACT greyhound industry are not happy. I did invite a representative from the Canberra Greyhound Racing Club onto the program. Unfortunately, no response was returned. I did speak with ACT Minister for Racing and Gaming Mick Gentleman to clarify the government's decision and to offer an explanation into its reasoning. I also invited CEO of RSPCA ACT, Tammy Vendonge, to share her insights on the issue, including industry practices and how greyhounds will be rehomed in the aftermath of the fallout. Coming up next, ACT Minister for Racing and Gaming Mick Gentleman. You're listening to Subject ACT on 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Becca Posterino. Welcome to the program, Mick. Hi, Becca. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. We're talking on the issue of greyhound racing today, and I've invited you onto the program to clarify some of the issues and to make clear what the ACT government's position is on this matter. Yes, of course. Why has the ACT government decided to wind back greyhound racing in the ACT? Well, there's a, a lead up to this, of course. Uh, uh, the first thing is that we fund all of the three codes of racing uh, in the ACT. So we have thoroughbreds, we have harness racing and greyhound racing. All of the three codes have indicated to me over this last sort of 12 months that they'd like to see a change in the way our memorandum of understanding works. So I'd uh, ask directorate officials to look at a terms of reference into a review of the MO you know with a view to looking at the MOU renewal for next year onwards so it's due to finish at the end of June uh, 2017. At the same time we've been uh, hearing reports of um, inappropriate greyhound use if you like not necessarily in ACT but directly in relation to the ACT so mainly in New South Wales and we've been waiting on the special inquiries uh, reports and findings and uh, so as you've heard they come out Last week, the New South Wales government made a very quick decision on those findings. And as you've read, the findings are quite damning. Uh, They say that uh, the greyhound industry still uses quite a deal of live baiting. They have a term called wastage where they actually do away with with animals at different stages. So uh, at the birth, they look at the litter. If the animals are small, then they... Well, they won't live. Um, yep. They're put down. And then uh, as they grow, if they go into competition and they don't perform, they're put down as well. So the the findings are quite damning, as I said. The actual number of animals that are put down is quite disturbing, some 60,000 or more animals over a period of time. And um, the Canberra community has indicated that they can't support that in a moral sense. And, of course, we're their representatives. Uh, so we've looked at that. We've looked at the lead-up to that in regard to uh, a review of the MOU. And so we've made a decision to bring some terms of reference sort of allow us to wind up greyhound racing in the Territory, but also look at a support structure for those people that would be affected in the ACT. It's a very small number. We understand that the majority of the members of the Greyhound Racing Club in the Territory do come from New South Wales. Uh, So they'll be caught up in that particular decision as well. And uh, the provision is that we will look for a support package to assist the people in the ACT transition. When will this winding up, as we're calling it now, come into effect? 
The MOU stays in place until the end of June next year, so that's a 12-month period to look at how we can provide that assistance. And uh, I've had a, a very brief conversation with Cabinet colleagues already, and I've received their support in that procedure. So uh, that decision has been endorsed by ACT Cabinet. We'll now look at what we can do to assist uh, the ACT in transitioning into, you know, away from the industry, and uh, what provision we can do for particularly the animals involved. So we've talked to eHome which is or eGreyhound, which is the rehoming service, and also the RSPCA and the ACT, and uh, representatives of volunteers from domestic animal services as well, uh, because we think that will be the key in ensuring an appropriate outcome, and that is that we assist those dogs to be rehomed rather than see them uh, put down. Live baiting is one of the issues or a key concern arising from the Special Commission for Inquiry into greyhound racing industry in New South Wales. Was the ACT government influenced by the Baird government's decision? Yes, certainly was, uh, in that uh, we are an island in New South Wales, particularly in this industry. As I said, um, most of the people that come and race in the ACT are from New South Wales. And uh, if we, we thought that if we were to uh, continue to uh, support greyhound racing in the ACT, then those races from New South Wales would come and uh, and try and operate in the Territory as well. It's a difficult decision, I think, for the Baird government, and one a difficult one for us, of course. Uh, more difficult for them, there are far more employees in New South Wales in the industry than there are here. We understand that uh, we have about six uh, employees in the Territory. I'm not sure if they're all full-time. Uh, we have a vet that goes out uh, employed by the Canberra Greyhound Racing Club that looks at the animals at the end of at the end of their races and I'd urge uh, your listeners to go and have a look at the Greyhound Racing Club's yes. website yep. have a look at some of the reports there I'm a little concerned about the way reporting occurs I know that my directorate has said that there's no evidence of um, maltreatment of animals in the ACT that's a good thing but uh, I must say that uh, in a quick look at the reporting there was an indication of the amount of animals tested or looked at in a reporting sense, is quite low. So somewhere near 30 to 40 animals uh, out of 940 that were raced were were actually looked at. And then two of those were, I think the term was something like uh, injured catastrophically. Uh, so the vet had to put them down at that time. Uh, so I, I've never actually seen a greyhound race, and I, I think that's probably a good thing. So I can be a step back from it and have a look at the evidence that's provided by experts but uh so i'm a bit cautious about that as well but either way we've we've made that decision now we'll help them to wind up and help them transition and uh, put in an assistance program for them certainly people in the act you've mentioned maybe six employees are invested or they have their livelihoods invested in greyhound racing's racing and will suffer financially as a result. What does the ACT government say to these people, their families and employees? Yes, um, well, I'm not sure that's the case, as you've said. I'm not sure that there's any trainers that actually operate yes. in the ACT. So the six employees are, are those... New South Wales-based. No, well, they, no, they've been identified by the Canberra Greyhound okay. Racing Club as employees directly... To uh, the Canberra... Greyhound. Yes, or, or, or yes, or supported by the funding that we provide, for example. Sure. So that's six that we're uh, happy to uh, support in transition. Yes. If one is a vet, well, I'm hopeful that, of course, vets will be used in other in other in areas. Other well. capacities. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly in looking at rehoming, a good thing to look at for the opportunity for rehoming for greyhounds. Uh, so that's certainly part of the conversation I had in uh, Cabinet the other day to assist those people as we transition to wind the industry up. 
The deeper issue is the oversight of animal cruelty, including life baiting in the pursuit of business, with some greyhound breeders, of course, not all. How important is it as a government to respond to the seriousness of treatment of animals in business? Oh, it's incredibly important, I think, that um, Australians have come a long way from the earlier days of entertainment from, particularly greyhound racing, if you like. Uh, Certainly the younger demographic doesn't seem to support it. Uh, And indeed, the correspondence to my office shows in the last uh, six to eight months that uh, the majority of the community in Canberra is well opposed uh, to that form of entertainment, if you like. And uh, so I think we do need to make those decisions as a government who is responsible to the Canberra community and make the right decisions. What precedents, what legal precedents will this set for other industries involving animals, i.e. the horse racing industry? Don't think it, I'm not sure it will set a legal precedence, the operation well, that we there's have. there's a moral precedence yes. that it's setting more so. Yeah, it could be. We certainly have in the Memorandum of Understanding uh, key performance indicators which uh, not only show you and must show the correct reporting of how those dollars are spent, but also how the animals are treated. Uh, So um, a really good example is the, you know, the veterinarians that actually study the animals after racing or prior to racing, whether there's any doping involved, those sorts of things. It's quite a regulated industry in that sense. I think in this case, we haven't seen and what the uh, special uh, inquiries findings show that whilst we've had, you know, really good fundamentals of regulation we haven't seen it actually rolling out in the industry itself so it's the industry that has not been able to reform they've been given quite a bit of uh, opportunity but um, the findings uh, show that that hasn't occurred. Some breeders have claimed recently in the Canberra Times Sydney Morning Herald have been quoted as saying there will be carnage and perhaps even the threat of suicide which is quite a a disturbing uh, thought as a result of this decision and the New South Wales decision. What do you say to these people, particularly with the threat of suicide? Those people obviously are feeling quite hurt. Mm. Uh, so I would ask them to, to seek some assistance. There is um, some support for them. And we have that in, in other parts of, if you like, the gaming racing portfolio as well. You know, there's, this, there's assistance for people that have gambling progr- uh, yes. problems, for example, uh, a well-thought-out program for them uh, and many points of contact as well for that assistance so yes. it's not just one group for example sure. uh, so it, I, would, I would urge them to seek some assistance I would hope that they would think it's not the end of the world you know whilst uh, one career may finish up there are many many other doors that can open up for them so um, and as I said we'll, we'll provide a, a, an assistance package sure. for them as well I understand that's what's happening in New South Wales it's yet to be you know fully developed but uh, we have the eagerness to do it So I think that's very important. Is there any final comments that you'd like to raise as a result of this decision? Well, I think um, everybody should really think about the decision that has been made. It's not a quick decision. It might have been that it it come out of the blue for some people, I think, but there's been a lot of inquiry into the industry, a lot of opportunity for uh, the industry to make reforms. Uh, Many of the trainers and owners we know love their dogs. Yes. uh, But... But many, many uh, don't provide appropriate appropriate training, if you like. And I suppose care. is the best way and care yeah. for them. And the ACT community in particular are unaccepted of that. Thank you so much, Mick, gentlemen, for joining us today and clarifying what this issue is and isn't. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, Rebecca. Good to be with you. Thanks, Mick. Happiness 
was Florence and the Machines' Dog Days Are Over and before that, ACT Minister for Gaming and Racing, Mick Gentleman, discussing the ACT government's decision to wind back the greyhound racing industry in the ACT, which will include budget cuts to the industry. Coming up next, CEO of RSPCA ACT, Tammy Vendonge, shares her views, including how greyhounds will be rehomed following the decision. 
You're listening to Subject ACT on 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Becca Posterino. Today we're talking to CEO of RSPCA ACT, Tammy Vendange. Welcome to the program, Tammy. Thanks, Becca. So what is your response to the recent decision to wind down the greyhound racing industry in the ACT? Look, it was a fantastic day for us, a fantastic announcement, and a great day for greyhounds everywhere in Australia to see New South Wales and ACT um, ban greyhound racing within a year. How was this received by the greyhound racing industry, in your awareness? Oh, look, I think <laughs> what they had to say was there's plenty of that in the public um, domain right now. But in mean, the Canberra Times poll, and there's been other polls done as well, it appears that at least 80% of the local population believe that the ban is a good thing. And probably, I think, 15 to 16% think that there's uh, some chance of reform, and then the other small chance think that it was just an overstep. So overall, the Canberra community really believes that this is the right thing to do. And, you know, certainly we've been advocating for it for a while. The Special Commission of Inquiry into the Greyhound Racing Industry in New South Wales has obviously informed the ACT government's decision. Was there anything in that inquiry in particular that concerned you from your point of view as CEO of RSPCA? The decision to ban greyhound racing in New South Wales was certainly a surprise. We had been advocating to do so here locally, and we didn't think that there'd be that much of an impact, truthfully, because as far as our statistics go, we we only think that there's about 12 people based in the ACT that are participating in greyhound racing. And based on the number of dogs that we've counted that have been racing, we think that there's maybe just about 100 dogs or so. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a huge hassle or challenge to rehome that many dogs if it was just in the ACT. The surprise was when New South Wales decided to do it first. Yes. And while you know there's, there's a much greater impact with the number of dogs that will need to be rehomed as a result of that, there, there's nothing actually in the inquiry that surprised me, per se, because all that information is, you know, it's been coming out in bits and pieces along the way, and it was information that we had already heard about, but all it was doing was validating the some of the ideas and, and even facts that we had in, in other areas. So there wasn't really anything really surprising from that perspective. What was surprising was, for us at least, um, was the decision that the government made there, which was such a bold decision, yes. knowing that they're going to have people that weren't happy with it. RSPCA, I believe, or I understand, has been campaigning for some time uh, to ban greyhound racing in Australia. Is that correct? Well, we've been we've been advocating to do so here in the ACT. Sure. And nationally, we've talked about the fact that if it, if the industry cannot be reformed to better its animal welfare standards, then we believe that it shouldn't exist. So nationally, we had never gotten to the point of just saying straight out ban until recently when the New South Wales Special Commission of Inquiry said there's no way to reform it. What was such a challenge for the industry in order to comply with these uh, regulations? or the re- what, what reforms weren't they willing to comply with? Well, it, it, let's just say that the recommendations, I think there were 78 different recommendations that came out of there. And the, the commissioner of that um, inquiry actually said, even if we put all these things in place, which will be very costly and some, and some of them quite difficult to do to regulate it better, we're not really sure that it'll work. And I think that was what really drove the decision behind it, was saying, look, all these awful things are happening. Even while the commission of inquiry was going, there were still awful things happening, proving that it, it's one of those the challenges that, that relate to the industry are cultural. They're things that the industry has been doing for so long 
that the participants, and I'm not saying all the participants do, but a large number of those long-term participants, especially the ones that have a lot of dogs, just don't see it as wrong. They see it as normal. So what are these, some of these cultural practices? If you could highlight some of these cultural practices that for those who have never engaged or been to a greyhound race, what are some of these cultural practices? Well, I mean, the two biggest issues with the sport specifically were the fact that the commission believed about 20% of those engaged in the sport were involved in, in live baiting to some degree. So that's pretty big. And, yes. you know, you have these are so it's not just the greyhounds that are being hurt, but other animals that are being hurt in the training process yes. to win bigger and bigger prices. The, the second one that was, was the most difficult, actually, and I think the bigger issue was the amount of what we call wastage. That is the number of animals that are being bred every single year that will never even make it to a track because they're not going to be fast enough. So the New South Wales Commission inquiries believed in their estimates that at about 50% of those dogs that were being bred every year were being put down. So purely on their size and their ability, uh, their potential to be champion or That's right. capable racing dogs. That's right. So these And these aren't even including all the ones that had to do with injuries. Um, this is specifically the ones that you know, were born, and, and they just didn't look fast enough when they were born. You know, um, they looked like the runts. They yes. just uh, were smaller than the others. It's one of these kind of sports that's really cheap to get into. It's really cheap to, to breed a litter of puppies. And as a result of that, you get a lot of people that just will just breed and breed and breed and breed and breed. And if you never have to feed them, then... There's no cost. There's no cost at all, really, if you think about it. It's it's um, it's exploiting animals for the sake of, of a profit sure. and, and one of the worst kind because animals are so not just vulnerable but dispensable. Sure. Who are making these decisions in regards to wastage? Are they that, how are these decisions, I guess, vetted or, or were they not? They're, they're not vetted. There's, there's, you know, it's basically a decision of the owners and the trainers and, you know, like the mouse graves that have been shown um, have been found already in, in New South Wales and Queensland are evidence of that, where large numbers of animals of you know greyhounds have been um, just thrown into a mass grave. I'm sure we haven't even come close to the large number of graves we'd find in other places, but that those have been uncovered already. These are the reported. These are the reported ones that we know about. Um, I mean, the statistics are, are pretty clear. I mean, even in, if you look at injury rates and you see the number of animals that were apparently had a minor injury, but if you looked at the Stewart report, you'll never see them race again, and yet you can't find them in any kind of rehoming program, um, so you don't know what actually happened to them. But it never said that they were actually euthanized or destroyed in the reports, but you know, we have no evidence to see what has happened to it since that point. And there's certainly rescue groups across the country, including in the ACT, that would love to, to grab these, these animals. You know, with the ban hopefully coming, and, and I know it's being disputed right now in both New South Wales and ACT, if it does come in place, then, you know, we have right now, we're already refocused on a bigger matter, which is how do we rehome as many dogs yes. as we can. What are your key concerns regarding the greyhound industry? You've mentioned live baiting. Are there any other issues that need to come to the fore for our listeners to be aware of? There has been quite a, a few articles in the last couple of days and things that we already knew about what has to do with the use of prohibitive substances. There certainly have been animals that have been swapped here locally as well as animals that have raced here and then were swapped elsewhere that have resulted in positive drug substances in their system. So and, what sort of drugs are these? Uh, look, it could range. Um, certainly even locally we've seen cocaine. 
Um, some places there's been Viagra. Um, basically anything to make the animal go either faster or, believe it or not, slower. Because they've been known to, um, the industry has been known to use uh, other types of drugs to slow an animal down so that there might be a bit of, you know, potentially, I can't say this for sure, but the rumors are that they're used to uh, fix races. That's speculation. But that, there's, that's there's pure speculation a, yes. on that part because I don't have any evidence of that. Sure. But the challenge you have is that the industry is so self-regulated that they make those decisions themselves. They make the decision of how often a dog is swapped for drugs. They make a decision if anyone, if a positive swap comes up, they investigate it themselves. If anyone has a concern about how a race was conducted, they investigate it themselves. If an animal was injured and whatever happens to that animal, that's up to them what they decide to report. Even recently all the Stuart reports are no longer available to the public and that's how we've been figuring out some of these things ourselves is by um, trolling through as much public information as we could find. So the reports are no longer available to the public? No. How did that come to be? Well I mean I think it's once they realized that we were using that information to generate our own statistics to provide to government and to the public that they decided to take it down. And they have that right because no one's, sure. no one's actually monitoring them. You know, no one's actually giving them rules that they have to abide by. And that's just locally. You know, it's not much different in other places. But it's been a self-regulated industry for so long that, you know, for instance, the... They're not accountable to anyone. No. And, and when you have, well, first of all, you have betting involved, and then you have animals. They're the reason why money's being won or lost. There's just too much motivation and and people can be incentivized to do the wrong thing by the animal. Are greyhounds born to race? Is is it in their blood? Well look, most animals, especially dogs, were born for something. They were they were Uh bred for something. You'll see, you know, we talk about working dogs all the time and, and you have you know, even little Jack Russells that were born to chase animals. That's her nature, is to, to chase prey. But if you meet a greyhound, it, it's really funny because, and really unfortunate, because if you think about it, the animals that have no prey driver are the ones that were being put down up to this point. You know, so they were too slow. They wouldn't chase anything. They were too docile. But the average greyhound, like, and I never even met a greyhound until I moved to Australia 10 years ago because um, where I grew up, it, was, it, was, it wasn't, we didn't have greyhound racing. Sure. You didn't have greyhound racing? No. It was banned in most of the states in the United States where I grew up. So I and just, this was a long time ago. Yes, exactly. And well, now I think, based on all the websites I've seen, there are up to 40 that officially ban it, and there's only five active states that, that are actually racing commercially now for gaming purposes. There's only five out of, out of 50 yeah, that have active um, sure. gaming in greyhound racing. So it's not something you're readily exposed to, but here... Sure. Since Especially taking on this job, I've had an opportunity to meet lots and lots of greyhounds, and I don't really tell you what I know about them so far. Please do. Um, so all breeds have something specific to their own needs, and no funny things like I could tell you that greyhounds, a lot of them don't know how to sit. <laughs> they, they only know how to stand or lay down, and when they do sit, it looks so funny because their legs are so long. Yes. So it's kind of really awkward. As a result of the way they sit, though, they get these funny missing hair pieces on their bum, and they even have these contests <laughs> called the the best bald bum um, because it's just kind of. Couldn't they do that instead of race? Uh, well, well, the rescue group certainly do already his contest, <laughs> and, and it's really funny. And and also because they're so lean, you yes. often will see them in costume or wearing something to keep them. <laughs> warm especially this time of year sure. just because they're cold, they're cold. <laughs> and logical yeah but the funny thing is there's also misconceptions about um how much exercise they need they're they're actually couch potatoes <laughs> they sleep as much as a cat generally and you've definitely exposed a fallacy there 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because you'll see them even, you know, I, I'll go out and walk some of the greyhounds sometimes with the, the rescue groups. And, you know, at the end of it, they just want to lay down. And it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of a walk or not. They'll just look at you saying, is it over yet? <laughs> because, they, they're, you know, they're built for speed, but short so, bursts of speed. And yeah. then the rest of the time, they just, honestly, they just sleep. So they're pretty docile dogs. And the majority of greyhounds actually don't even bark. Wow. Which makes them great apartment animals because they're, yes. you know, they're lazy. They, they, even though they are big dogs, they just couch potato quiet. That's right. They just have such a unique personality, and of course, each one has its own personality. But in, as a species or as, as a breed, they're I've just grown to love them so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your insights on this issue, and I'd love to keep in contact in the future. So thank you for your time. No worries, Becca. Thank you. That was CEO of RSPCA ACT, Tammy Van Donge, discussing some of the disturbing accounts of greyhound industry practices. She also shared insights on the rather docile nature of the greyhound dog. Coming up next week, I speak to author, academic and social activist Liz Connor on her new book, Skin Deep, exploring the recurring visual and historical tropes of Aboriginal women by colonial early settlers. Tomorrow, Doug Dobing presents Tuesday's edition of Subject ACT. Coming up next, Community Radio Network's compelling storytelling or best, you've been listening to local and independent current affairs program Subject ACT. Join us each weekday 8.30 till 9am or listen online at www.2xfm.org.au backslash listen. I'm Becca Posterino. Have a wonderful day.